It's the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Tuesday, November 20th. I'm Donald Ware, and what a past weekend we had of HBCU football. And week 12 was off the chain. The MEAC Championship was decided. The SWAC's Eastern Division was decided. And Bowie State, after last week winning its first ever CIAA Championship, was able to knock off uh, a, a, a power in Division II to advance further in the Division II playoffs. So we're going to talk about all of that today on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast and look forward to the weekend's games because we actually have a game on Thursday, on Thanksgiving, and then we have some games over the weekend, including that big Grambling and Southern game, which will decide the SWAC's Western Division. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. It's Thanksgiving week. Just a note, we will not have a weekend edition of From the Press Box to Press Row, but we'll have a replay of a previous From the Press Box to Press Row, and you can log on to our website at boxtorow.com, boxtorow.com to find a radio station in your area that carries the program. You can also listen on Sirius XM Channel 142, Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Sirius XM Channel 142. 42. Let's start in the SWAC, where again the Eastern Division was decided as Alcorn State defeated Jackson State in what amounted to the Eastern Division Championship of the SWAC 24 to 3. And more so than anything, it, it, it again it's surprising more surprising to me that Jackson State was even in this position. And again, you know, I'm on record, and if you've listened to this daily podcast, if you've listened to From the Press Box to Press Row, you know my position in terms of where I stand as it relates to Jackson State and its head football coaches. At the end of the day, they let Tony Hughes go three weeks ago. What ultimately happened, Jackson State has won its, its uh, two games in a row after they fired Tony Hughes and made it to this point. But again, I think you have to look at this thing in totality. I mean, the bottom line, was that Jackson State was even in this position to begin with with Tony Hughes at the helm so it's a mixture of who knows I mean I mean at the end of the day it 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 seems like the right move because Jackson State was in position to ultimately win the championship but again I think it's a bigger picture thing but the bottom line is um, Jackson State was in this thing uh, they lost a big time crowd there in Lorman, Mississippi, and Alcorn State came away with the twenty-four to three victory. I mean, I think from if, if you look at it from a talent perspective, what Jack, what Alcorn State has been able to do all season is to be able to play defense and to stop opponents, holding Jackson State to just three points. This is a Jackson State team that had played. Pretty solid offensively the last couple of wins. They were better on defense. And then Alcorn State able to put up 24 points behind their running game. Um, of course, Noah Johnson, the quarterback, has been absolutely tremendous the entire season. And so now we have a situation in the SWAC where we're going to have the Bayou, the Bayou Classic Southern against Grambling. That game going to take place on Saturday, and it's for the Western Division Championship. And, you know, even if I look at this game, I mean, I think if you look, you know, Southern has just been so good as of late. They've had a couple of buys as of late, and both uh, Southern and Grambling are coming off buys this week, and so both will be fresh. 
But I just think when you look at Southern and what Southern has been able to do, I'm still going to point back to the big time victory over Prairie View, 36 to nothing. And while, you know, it, it looked it looked like a really it still is a really good win. It looked like a bigger win than maybe it was because of where Prairie View is now. Prairie View certainly is not the same football team that we saw the first half of the season when the when the uh, the, the team started off three and three. But they had big wins over North Carolina Central, a big win over Grambling, and their losses two to FBS opponents, and then um, the other loss to Sam Houston State, a perennial power in FCS. But the wheels have just come off for Prairie View A&M. But still, I think you can shut out a team and hold a team, especially that was high-powered offensively coming into that game to zero points. Looks like Prairie View has still has not recovered. Even though they won this past weekend, it still looks like they have not recovered from the loss to Southern. But again, I think the SWAC championship game, which is going to take place on December 1st in Alcorn or in Lorman, Mississippi, it's a situation where, remember, the SWAC decided to go against having the uh, championship game and then it was back on and and then they moved it to the higher the 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 home team uh, or the team that had the higher seed would be the home team and so ultimately in this case is going to be all corn state so a big time swag championship game going to be taking place in lorman between all corn state and the winner of grambling and southern and i think the winner of the grambling southern game is going to be Southern. I think Southern is playing some really good football right now. The MEAC Championship was decided this past weekend. Two games decided the MEAC Championship. First, I'm going to look at the game in Durham between North Carolina Central and North Carolina A&T. And I got to be honest with you, I never saw the score coming. I never saw the domination of the game coming. North Carolina A&T 45, North Carolina Central 0. This is a game, if you go back to 2014, 15, 16, and 17, the last, the previous four years to this year was, in essence, the game that would decide the MEAC championship. And for three of those four years, it was North Carolina Central that came away with the crown. Of course, the Aggies able to break uh, the streak on last year, 24-10 victory in Greensboro. But I think if you're North Carolina A&T, that was a good win last year. But what you wanted is to be able to come into Durham and avenge the loss from the last two years, most notably in 2016, when Essence, North Carolina Central, blew the Aggies off the field. It wasn't the same score. It was like, I think it was 42 to 21, but this score was 45 to nothing. Total domination by A&T. You had Elijah Bell, the wide receiver for the Aggies, who, you know, I always have maintained coming into the season was the best wide receiver in the MEAC and one of the best in all of FCS. And you saw that in this game against Century. They've been having some nag- a nagging ankle injury actually all season. And, I mean, he just came through in, with flying colors for this victory. Um, uh, and also, Lamar Reynard was really good. And then you had the running game that was really good, led by Marquell Cartwright, who had 110 yards rushing, a couple of touchdowns in the game. And now he's over 1,000 yards rushing for the second straight year. It was also that Aggie defense that was absolutely tremendous. 
you had an Eagle team that came into this football game as a pretty good rushing football team. North Carolina Central rushed the football for negative 22 times for negative 21 yards. Think about that. Let that sit for a moment. Then you had the leading, the second leading rusher in the MEAC and Isaiah Totten, negative five yards rushing. It was just, I never saw, I, I, I you know, if, if I'm coming into this thing and if you look at this rivalry over the last five years or so, at least three years, I would argue that A&T was the more talented team. I would even argue in 2016 that A&T was the more talented team. But the Eagles were the team that wanted it more. They came in as like they were the underdogs, and they came in wanting it more than North Carolina A&T wanted it. Even last year, um, you you look at the pregame shenanigans and all that happened before the game with the two teams meeting at midfield and all of the just the 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 foolishness really that happened prior to that game and a lot of that is just to me last year A and T didn't get caught up in it as much as the Eagles did A and T just outclassed North Carolina Central last year but it was a different Aggie team this year it was a different team in the pregame warmup it was a different team throughout the course of the game. And quite frankly, I thought after the game, some of some of the players in, in, in the manner in which they acted after the game, you know, I, I didn't necessarily like. I could understand the frustration that the Aggies had had the last couple of years, particularly going back to 2016 and what happened pregame last year is why a lot of the emotions spilled out from North Carolina A&T um, and the players in its victory or their victory over North Carolina Central. And it was just a totally dominating game. Now, let me also take you to Orlando for the Florida Classic, Florida A&M, and Bethune-Cookman because a lot of us were in the press box um, at North Carolina Central kind of looking at that game, watching to see what would happen, to see if, in fact, A&T would be in the Celebration Bowl, to see if A&T would, in fact, be in the FCS playoffs because more than likely A&T was going to be in the FCS playoffs. But what ultimately happened, it was a close game in Orlando, close game in Orlando, Florida A&M driving down 26 to 19 late in the game. Late in the game, they're driving. They're down on. It seemed like they were inside of the Bethune-Cookman 20-yard line. Um, I think we were inside of two minutes remaining, maybe three minutes, something like that. And Tidarius Peters comes up a, an errant throw by Ryan Stanley, and Tidarius Peters runs it back. 90 yards the other way for the touchdown. It sealed the victory for Bethune-Cookman, 33-19 over Florida A&M. And by the way, Tidarius Peters, the box to row National Player of the Week, one of the box to row National Players of the Week, he had two interceptions in that game, including that pick six. And by the way, also going back to the A&T game, Elijah Bell, the other box to row National Player of the Week for A&T. So the victory by Bethune-Cookman over Florida A&M, gave A&T the outright championship. The one loss A&T had in conference play was to Florida A&M. So if both teams had won that game, Florida A&M, because of the tiebreaker, would have moved on to the Celebration Bowl, and A&T really needed 
Bethune-Cookman to win that football game. And I think a couple of things came out of that game uh, for both teams. Number one for Bethune-Cookman, it just showed what resiliency uh, and what kind of program Terry Sims has. I mean, you know, I would argue probably not the most talented program. And it's not that they don't have talented guys, but I mean, you know, Bethune-Cookman talent level is not North Carolina A&T. That's just the bottom line. But he's got good pieces in the right position, and he has excellent athletes. And by the way, again, I mean, you can look at a couple of Bethune-Cookman losses this year where, uh, you know, things could have been a lot different for the Wildcats, but they were able to bounce back from some of these losses and 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 resilient. Again, very resilient to finish a respectable in a respectable second place um, in the MEAC. So far now, we still have some, uh, some games left to be played. South Carolina State. Um, has a game that it still has to play against North Carolina Central this weekend. And so it's possible that South Carolina State could also finish in second place as well, provided that they're able to beat the Eagles. That game is going to be in Orangeburg on Saturday. So you have that dynamic of Bethune-Cookman and what it was able to do throughout the course of the season. Now, had A&T lost, we would have had a three-way tie in the MEAC, a three-way tie in the MEAC. A&T would have still gone on to the Celebration Bowl, but we would have had a three-way tie. And then you look at the dynamic of Florida A&M. Sky high after beating North Carolina A&T. At that time, um, Florida A&M was 6-2 with a bye. 6-2 with a bye. The Rattlers proceeded to lose three straight games. Howard, a non-conference game against South Carolina State, and then this past game against Bethune-Cookman. And so while I would say it's an overall good season for Florida a and I mean, if you think about where the program was, Willie Simmons comes in um, to a 6-5 and five record. This was a MEAC championship that was waiting for the Rattlers. And I even said, what I said was after that Florida A&M victory over A&T and with a bye week, I was thinking no way in the world that Florida A&M was going to um, was going to relinquish um, what it was what it had been able to accomplish uh, the the entire season and allow for basically a t to walk Florida a m down and that basically is precisely what happened uh, for whatever reason maybe it was you know from a defensive perspective I mean you could argue that that Florida a m just wasn't as strong. Um, and by the way, excuse me, A&T, um, they defeated A&T, and then the following week they had a bye, then the following week defeated Morgan State. And that's when I said, after the Morgan State win that Florida A&M had, I said, you know what, that's an impressive win because you score 38 against a pretty solid defense. You only allow them to three, even though Morgan State may not be great offensively. That was a statement game to me. And then after that, the Rattlers proceeded to lose three straight games, Howard, South Carolina State, and Bethune-Cookman. So, um, you know, I guess you could say some, I mean, if you looked at it on paper, you say a 6-5 and five record, a second-place finish in the MEAC, you're like, all right, that's a pretty good season for Florida A&M. But when you look at where the program was and then what ultimately happened, uh, maybe not so much. I'd have to, uh, you know, sort of get a gauge for how Rattler fans feel. I think once this, you know, they get past this Bethune-Cookman loss and then take a look back on the season, you would have to say that it was overall a pretty good season for the Rattlers. Let's move on to Bowie State. 
But we stayed again last week winning his first ever CIAA championship game this week, hosting a first-round game against West Alabama. And the Bulldogs remembered the sting from last year, played a close game last year, lost the first round. See, they lost to West Alabama on Saturday. I forget who it was that they played. was West Georgia. They lost to West Georgia 45-35 to last year. Well, this time around, a pretty good West Alabama team that they held in check in terms of being able to run the football. West Alabama could not run the football. And by the way, Amir Hall was absolutely tremendous. We go back a week ago where he was better in the run game than in the past. Well, he was back to his passing ways Three in excess of 360 yards. It you know it's hard to pass for 300 yards. Like that's not that's not a norm in college football to pass for 300 yards. And Amir Hall has made it a norm. It is normal. You look at the box score, and when Amir Hall doesn't pass for 300 yards, you're looking. You know, at least I am. I'm looking like, well, what happened that day? He didn't get 300 yards passing, but he he had one touchdown, no interceptions in the game, and also. Also, for Amir Hall, two more rushing touchdowns. So Amir Hall definitely able to get it done with his legs. And now Bowie State on Saturday got a tough, tough game. They got to go to a real big-time perennial Division II power in Valdosta State. That's going to be a tough football game. But we'll see. I mean, Bethune-Cookman, I tell you, I mean, they've been playing – you know, they, they've been playing some pretty good football um, as of late, uh, not really as of late throughout the course of the season, so we'll have to see how things play out. We want to say congratulations to Mike London, the now former head football coach at Howard, who has, who has taken the position as the head football coach at William & Mary. The coach from William & Mary stepped down after 39 years uh, as the head football coach, Mike London, as a matter of fact, was an assistant coach under that the now former head football coach at William and Mary. And, you know, listen, I, I can't knock Mike London. I mean, he's got roots. He, you know, he grew up in Hampton. You know, he's got roots in Virginia. He, you know, was the head coach at Richmond. First year at Richmond, won the FCS National Championship. He was the head coach at UVA for five or six years. Um, you know, had a, at least a success, had some successful times there. Certainly a successful first season um, at UVA. He was at Maryland for a year or two, but at least at Maryland, he was still able to recruit um, the Virginia area, and so he's got the, still got those recruiting ties in Virginia. You know, I feel like maybe he had some unfinished business at Howard. At the end of the day, though, he thought he did he did what was best. I'm sure there was a lot more money involved. I mean, Howard, while it's had a good run under Mike London, he's still got Kalen Newton and some other pieces. Um, it, it, you know, they're not an athletic school. So I don't know what the commitment to the football program was, but i tell you what, Mike London in one year last year turned that entire football program around. So you got to give him kudos for that. You know, I think some unfinished business would have loved to see him, you know, stick around, try to get that MEAC championship for Howard. Um, I think he had things going on in, in the right direction. Kalen Newton, um, the, the, the sky's the limit, I think, for that young man. But listen, he did what was best for him and his family. And I think, you know, I think he's going to be very successful at William and Mary, a lot more resources than he has at Howard and who can blame him. I mean, you know, he did a, a yeoman's job at Howard. I mean, who would have thought that Howard would have had the turnaround that it had last year. And then even this year, even though they went five and six, 
that, that was a good football team at Howard and still some pieces in place. So hopefully Howard is able to find and hire the right head football coach to continue what Mike London has been able to do. Again, a reminder, no new from the press box to press row, no new from the press box to press row this weekend. Um, we're going to have a replayed show it's Thanksgiving, man. It's Thanksgiving. I'm going to enjoy myself, enjoy my time um, with my family and, you know, watch a bunch of football and enjoy uh, eating and all of those good kind of things. So I'm just going to take a little bit of a break this weekend, but you can still listen to the show on a radio station near you. It's going to be a replay of a show. So tune in. Log on to our website at BoxToRow.com to find a radio station in your area that carries the program. Also on satellite radio, Sirius XM Channel 142 on Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Sirius XM Channel 142. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. But I've been through hard days. Yeah, I was just in New York in the home. Looking for stars. I ain't asked now for nothing. I took the heart away. So they put me over, coming with the They took my heart away. Pouring liquor for my dick and gone. Thug holiday.